Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. My guest today is truly the epitome of black girl magic, female empowerment, beauty, and brains. Not only is she a 2021 Sports Illustrated model, she has a master's degree from Georgetown University, and she's the founder and CEO of her own company. We're going to be talking all about her journey, the importance of representation, and so much more. Tanae Wyatt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was an awesome intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. You know, in learning in learning more about your story and just seeing the path that you created for yourself and laid out for yourself, I can only imagine that there have been a lot of challenges that have come with, you know, the things that you have gotten involved in, you know, just from making the decision to go to college and get educated to working in the corporate world and then transitioning into the modeling and fashion industry. But first and foremost, I want to know why getting continued education was important for you and your journey. And then secondly, after you were in the corporate world for a while, why did you decide to make the transition to modeling? Yeah, um, education was always instilled in me by my parents at such a young age. Um, my childhood dream was actually to be a model, um, but my parents really nipped that in the bud. They're like, no, that's not sustainable. We mm. need you to do something where you can, you know, make a living and support yourself. And my dad's from the Bronx. My mom's from inner city, Baltimore. They've, you know, grown up, you know, and unfortunate situations where you know you're struggling or the lights are off or you don't know what you're going to eat today you have to eat mustard sandwiches because that's all you have in the fridge um they've seen it all and so uh they've instilled in both me and my younger brother who's eight years younger than me the importance of education and so I always had it in my head that I'm going to go to college and if you know, that all works out and I want to get an advanced degree, I'll consider that as well. But um, there was never a question or a doubt that pursuing higher education was something that was going to be in my future for sure. Um, But ultimately the transition came when I took a leap of faith and tried out for the open call for Sports Illustrated Swim Search. And um, of the 10,000, literally 10,000 women who applied, I made it all the way to their top 16. I had the opportunity to walk in Miami Swim Week. This was uh, in 2018 uh, for their 2000, excuse me, this, yeah, 2018 for their 2019 issue. Um, And I got so close didn't make it into the magazine by literally just one more round, but um, it just gave me a taste of that, I guess, the desire to model again, because it was something I dabbled in in college. You know, yeah. there would be certain school clubs I would have modeling fashion shows and this and that. So I always had like a little bit of a taste of it, but never at that magnitude. And once I had that taste, I was like, okay, this is what I want to be doing. The, the degrees can wait. The corporate world can wait this is something I need to pursue, especially given that this industry is so, um, I guess, uh, hooked on age and stuff like that. So I was like, let me do it now while I'm still young. Right. And that's a good point to make because you do kind of feel just an entertainment industry in general. It feels like there is like a ticking clock, you know, where you have like a really small window where you feel like you can reach a certain point of success. And it is kind of unfortunate, though, because I feel like modeling is a little bit different probably than music and film because there probably are more opportunities for people that are older to get involved. But do you think that the modeling industry will ever have a shift in terms of that perception where there is a small window where you can have success 
For sure. I think that shift is already happening. Um, when I signed with my first uh, agency, Wilhelmina, um, literally the first question I asked when I sat down for my preliminary interview was, am I too old? Mm. Am I too muscular? Am I too short? Do you need me to change my hair? Like, tell me what I need to do because I want to maximize this experience. And my agent at the time, he was like, no, we love you just as you are. Keep your Afro. Like I came in with a wig. He was like, no, we like the Afro. Let's wear the Afro. Um, He's like, you're not too short. Like, you know, you have an athletic background. We can, you know, fit you in with our athletic clients, blah, blah, blah. I was like, awesome. Okay. This is a sigh of relief. Like I, I don't have to go to any extremes that, you know, you hear about, happening in the industry and I was like okay and then you know you see campaigns like CoverGirl on TV who in recent years have had um, the faces of the brand be older women um, I can't remember her name but she's a gorgeous woman she has um, like silver like a silver fox like just all gray hair and like even in the the script that they have her say in the commercial she's like who says that i'm too old to not or who yeah. says that you know i i'm you know have to retire you know stuff like that and i'm like yeah. yes this is exactly what we need to hear <laughs> exactly great. yeah and i started like when i did swim search i was 27 and so that is typically you know old to be starting you know quote unquote I'm old but like usually girls are starting when they're 12 and 13 or after they finish high school and then they sometimes don't even go to college so it's like I'm literally late in the game how can I make sure that you know at my age I'm still able to get opportunities that you know are usually given to the young girls as well but I definitely see a change in the industry for sure in the short time that I've been here and then even with the swim search which is why I love Sports Illustrated so much is that they have such a range of women of all backgrounds, sizes, colors, ages, you name it. And in fact, when I won in 2020, the swim search, after I reapplied, um, my fellow winner with me is Kathy Jacobs, who's 56 years old Incredible. and she's killing the game. So it's Incredible. like, it's beautiful to see. And I'm just happy to be part of that transition that we yeah. are seeing today. You know, I've always found it interesting that the age to get into the industry is is always so young because I don't feel like, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, that you're ready to really take on the demands that the industry requires. You know, it's always, it's always felt so bizarre to me. So to me, starting in those industries in your twenties makes more sense just from like a mental health standpoint, you know, you've lived a little bit, you can stand up for yourself, you know? So I do hope that we start to see, yeah. I mean, in in your experience, do you feel that you're respected a little bit more because you know how to, you know, stand up for yourself and say what you want and say how you feel because you're older? In some ways, yes, and then also some ways, no. Mm. I think for me, because I still present myself very young Mm -hmm. on set, like, you know, you'll just hear, like, the way people will speak to you, like, oh, darling, you're supposed to do this. And and then, like, sometimes I'll have to, like, subtly be like, yeah, you know, I'm 29. And they're like, (laughs) oh, 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 excuse me. I'm sorry, girl, you know? And then, like, I even see in the industry, like, uh, unfortunately, the negative sides of the industry with people who may not have your best interest at heart um and they pray people like that prey on young girls in the industry so if you're 15 and let's say you live in europe and you're coming to new york you know for your big dreams of modeling and you barely speak a lick of english 
you're doing all of these photo shoots and stuff. And sometimes on those shoots, you have photographers who are menacing or creepy, which we've seen if, I don't know if you follow shit model management on Instagram, but they expose all of the travesties of the industry. Um, And actually they had like this huge, I guess, scandal, I guess, or revealed this huge scandal a couple of weeks ago where um, they revealed that there were a lot of agencies who were asking girls to like do sickening things to lose weight. And they Mm. like gave a list of names, agencies, everything. And it's, it's sad. But when you're young, you are so susceptible to like all those pressures. And it is just it puts you more at risk for those to experience those situations. Sure. So and you think that I, you have to do them in order to succeed. Exactly. You think that if you say no, if you stand up for yourself, your life is over, your career is over. And that's just not the case, but that stigma is, it's everlasting, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I, so I am 100% a champion for, women and young girls who want to be a model or enter the entertainment industry start after high school start when you're a little more mature like you're not too old that term doesn't exist right right. Um, but even if you are a child and to parents because I get a lot of messages from parents too who have children who want to model um, go with your child do not do not ever leave them alone if it's a situation where you can't be there then you have to either maneuver your schedule or maneuver the photo shoot or appointment that they have, but just don't leave them alone because unfortunately not everyone can be trusted. And yeah. that's just the reality. Yeah, no, that's great advice. That's great advice. And you never want to put your child in a situation where they feel uncomfortable or where they feel like they can't even tell you the truth. If something did happen, you know, exactly. you never, you never want that. So I think that's really great advice. Um, I also want to talk about, because you mentioned the word stigma and I know that there is and has been such a stigma in terms of natural hair, just in general. Oh, yes. I mean, in the workplace and <laughs> in the industry as a whole and And, you know, I loved that you said, you know, when you went in to meet with Wilhelmina, they were like, keep your fro. You know, we love you for who you are. But you did make the decision to wear your natural hair for your swim shoot. And it shouldn't have been or felt like a a big decision, but it was. And it was a groundbreaking one because of everything that we've heard about natural hair. You know, just I think it was a year ago. They just passed a law that you can't discriminate against people for the hair that grows out of your head, mind you. That's what we're talking about when we talk about natural hair. So why did you? you make that decision which is a decision that I love and I'm very proud of you for doing that and what was the response at that time I had only been natural for two years I gave myself a big chop had no idea what my afro looked like what type of hair I had yeah um, and so it was like this whole self-love journey in and of itself within me and so yeah. I was like I'm just going to go as me and if they like me awesome and if they don't well at least I can say I tried so that was my first try around and then when I reapplied the second year I actually went in with my wig and I still made it. I still made it to the top 16 and then to the top six. And then I won. But I, in my head, I was thinking, okay, they already saw me with my Afro. Let me switch it up and show them that I can be versatile. But honestly, if I'm being very, very frank, I did not feel my best with that wig on. Like mm. even looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? And so when it came time to shoot for the magazine, um, the editors were 100% behind me. They messaged me or emailed me and they were like, hey, just want to check. How is your hair going to be? Just let us know. And I was like, hey, I plan to wear my afro. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, of course. Like, we're just, we'll make sure, you know, you have what you need. I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) that's crazy. But as far as like, you know, 
being a model and being a girl who's frankly new to the natural hair wave, um, it, I will admit that it's been disappointing um, when almost every photo shoot I've had, um, the hairstylist doesn't either know how to do my hair or I've already come to set with my hair prepared and they just literally pat my hair like, pat, pat, oh, okay, you're good. Like, yeah, I am good because I did it myself. <laughs> I did it, right. So, yes. And then I even had one unfortunate uh, situation, uh, December 2019, where I went on a test shoot and the person who did my hair actually heat damaged it to the point where my hair was straight. Oh. So this is the hair you're seeing right now. And to the people on the podcast, you can't see it, but <laughs> um, this is the time. It's taken over a year and a half for me to get back into it actually looking like an afro oh my god so it was very saddening i definitely cried over it but i think that experience just pushed me to speak even louder for people who do have curly hair textures mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and to i guess help to just end the idea that just because a hairstylist is has worked with you know this person and these hair types doesn't necessarily mean that they have the knowledge and skill level to work with my type of hair. Right. Right. And I think that it's, it's something that really still needs to, it's such a sensitive conversation because in on one hand, you don't want to offend these stylists. Like your work is your work. Your craft is your craft. You know what you're doing. But in the other sense, it's like, but, we need you, we meaning natural hair girls need you to be humble enough to admit when you are not fit for this job that you applied for or that you were put into. When you see the call sheet and you see the girl and you go to her Instagram and you know she has thick, bushy hair and you know in your portfolio, you've never had anyone who's even had wavy hair in your right. book. Maybe right. that is your time to either think, hey, this is a perfect chance for me to learn or, hey, this is a perfect chance for me to step back so someone else who has that skill level, because there's yeah. plenty who do, sure. can step in and do that job. So sure. I, I'm. it's been hard, it, not hard, but intimidating for me to speak up at times just because I don't want to step on toes. But at the end of the day, my hair is my brand. And so if you damage that, you're damaging my money. Yeah, <laughs> so we yeah. can't have that. But even if it wasn't your brand, it's your hair. Like you don't want anybody to damage your hair. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I want to, I come in in one piece and I want to leave in one piece. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it, it's such a, and it shouldn't be a complex situation, but I'm trying to figure out how we get past this because even in 2021, there are so many people that I've talked to in the industry, whether it be a model, whether it be, you know, a singer doing a music video or being an actress doing commercials and television. And I had this experience as well. And I still wear my hair pieces and stuff because I don't even want to have to deal with it. But yeah, is it, I feel like you have to go all the way back to what they're teaching in school because for the friends that I know that have been in cosmetology school and have gotten their licenses to do hair, the first thing they actually teach you about textured hair is how to do a relaxer. That is hilarious. <laughs> and when they told me that, and I was like, so they're lit you're literally being preconditioned to just straighten yes. black hair. Right. Yes. And that's terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. I mean, me personally, I've been getting relaxers since I was six years old. Yeah. And same. my mother to, to this day has been having relaxers since she was a child. And, you know, she's my mother. She's, you know, almost in her 60s now. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, 
I think that this hair movement, this natural hair movement also comes, the conversation at least comes in hand in hand with the times we're in right now. Because if you look back 15 years ago, we didn't really see girls walking around with their curly hair. Everybody wanted straight hair, whether you're relaxing it, straightening it, whatever you need to do, you are making sure you go to school, you go to work, you go into the world with your straight hair and so I was actually inspired by my cousin who did the big chop herself several years ago and she has this beautiful mane it's huge it's so big you wouldn't even think it's hers and she's actually (laughs) who inspired me to be like oh let me see what's under my you know relaxed hair that I've never seen before it's crazy it is yeah I haven't used a relaxer in many many years and you can definitely see the difference. And I don't think that you realize when you're doing it, like what the long lasting effects are going to be of it, especially when that's just what you're taught because you're trying to assimilate to certain beauty standards, you know? So I I think, yeah, I I love the natural hair movement that's happening. And I think it's, it's going to make a huge difference, especially for young girls. And for you, now that you're in this position, you know, how much responsibility do you feel that you have in terms of representation and in terms of keeping this going for younger girls that are looking up to you? I feel such a weight on my shoulders simply because, at least from a Sports Illustrated perspective, I'm one of a handful of Black women who've been in the magazine, which is a sad detail to say. But even further, I'm one of a handful of dark-skinned Black women who's Mm -hmm. been in the magazine. And then even to add on to that, I think I'm only the second woman who's ever been featured in the magazine who's worn her natural hair Mm. so it's like I'm literally helping to push this new movement this new wave you know these doors that are opening and I can't lie I've seen sometimes when they post me um we'll get comments um and they'll be like you know why is her hair like that? Or, you know, she's too dark or, you know, Mm. just stuff that's really negative and nasty. And I'm used to it because I grew up boring stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm used to it. I grew up as a token black kid in Connecticut. I've heard and seen it all, but it does hurt. But I rather take that, those jabs, knowing that me being in this magazine for the next person, they won't have to go through as much. And then for the next person after that, they won't have to go, you know, through as much negativity. And then next thing you know, it's going to be cool. Like it's, there's no, there's not going to be any question about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then even outside of sports illustrated, I just, I hate that, you know, growing up as a kid, it was very hard for me to see people who looked like me with my skin color um, and my hair type in magazines and campaigns. And so now fast forward, you know, now that I'm in those positions where I can apply for those campaigns, I really want young girls to not feel the way I felt like, oh, if I'm not seeing me, that must mean there's something wrong with me or the way I look and I have to change it. Do I have to lighten my skin with bleach? Do I have Mm -hmm. to straighten my hair with relaxer? Do I have to go to the surgeon and get a nose job? Like those are all thoughts that I've had in my head and it's taken a lot of self-love and healing to understand that those thoughts are not okay and I should love myself just the way I am because I am great just the way I am absolutely if I can just change one girl's mind one little black girl one little brown girl whoever and have them see themselves 
um, and change their perspective on themselves and my work here is done because yeah. I don't just want to be a face in a magazine or in a book I also want to be the voice behind you know just sharing upliftment and positivity yeah it takes a because I also grew up in a predominantly white um, neighborhood I grew up in Santa Barbara California I don't know if you've ever been okay. there before but it's like I have I, not <laughs> I joke that it's aggressively white uh, <laughs> it's the only way to, to describe it but I was very lucky to have had uh, very strong black parents that were very pro-black and and taught my sister and I about just being proud of our heritage. And my mom would go out of her way to find us, you know, like black dolls, books by black authors and things like that. So I'm very grateful I for that. that. Um, but it takes a certain amount of strength to not allow the experience of growing up in a predominantly white space affect your trajectory and it takes even more strength to become the thing that you didn't have growing up so good on you for doing that and it's it's like you said it's a weight on your shoulders because you're like okay I didn't have this growing up I need to be that I have to be it you have to make a difference you have to you have to almost like it's like paying it forward in a sense even though you didn't get it yourself you're like no you know so it's it's really great that you recognize that and you recognize the importance of what it is that you're doing because you aren't just modeling right right it's so much more than that yeah it's public art for everybody to digest and we just want to make sure that what we're digesting speaks to fairness and love and equality and so when we have a campaign and you see you know, everyone is white and then there might be like a token black girl or a token Asian girl or a token Latina. Like you just think to yourself, like, is it, is there only ever one slot for me? You know, like we just need to push for more. Diversity does not mean having one of each. It means being truly inclusive. Yes. Truly. It doesn't just mean filling one slot on a runway show with 30 girls and you only see one black girl the whole time. That's not okay. So we still have to push forward to show that, you know, black is beautiful. There's beauty in being black and there's beauty in us being in the front. We don't have to be in the back anymore. We don't have to be on the sidelines. We can be in the front and we can still help you sell your clothes, sell your makeup, what have you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Um, So I know you're also a a huge advocate for mental health. And that's something that I, I talk about on this show a lot. And I really think addressing mental health just specifically as a black woman is important because there is this, it's kind of this erroneous idea that black women are stronger than everybody, you know, and we are, of course we're strong, but that does doesn't make us like void of feeling or needing help, you know? And I, I feel like there's, there's this mindset and perspective when it comes to black women, but how have you included conversations about mental health in your life and on your platforms? That's such a great question. Well, I'll say it's my journey with mental health has been a very long one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was depressed as a child, um, as young as I can remember as 12, Um, And suicidal ideation was something that was embedded into Mm -hmm. my mind almost all the time. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like anyone understood me. And it came to the point where my self-esteem was so low that I did want to remove myself from this earth. Um, And luckily I did not. And I came out of, you know, the the darkness that was depression, but I still experienced bouts of depression and and anxiety every so often. And I 
in recent years, I decided that I just wanted to be more open and transparent with, you know, my followers and my audience about, you know, the both sides of life, the beauty that is photo shoots and modeling and success, but also the reality that we all grow through that not every day is perfect. Not every day is beautiful. Sometimes we get sad and angry and also sometimes we just need to speak about it. And so in speaking about it publicly, it was almost sort of a form of self-healing for me in itself. And I'm also proud to say that in the last year, I actually started therapy a long time coming, but I finally in therapy. Um, But I think that it's really important for every life on this planet, no matter what you are going through, no matter how wealthy or poor you are to understand that you matter here. Um, I had a friend at 15 years old, um, take his life. And that was a close friend of mine. And that affected me in ways that I didn't even really understand at the time. Cause I was 15 as well. Right. Um, and I just always want, no matter how much I'm hurting, I always want others to feel valued that's like a word that I always talk about, just value. I want to feel valued. I don't want to make sure other people do because loss of life is sad. And also it, it, it's a ripple effect. It's not just you taking your life. It's your, your parents losing you, your siblings losing you, your friends losing you. It just trickles. It affects everyone. Yeah. Um, it's like this, this cast. Um, and the way we can avoid having that cast is by getting to the source. The source is you. So what are you going through? talk about it don't hold it in don't let it you know eat at your soul like just it's it's so easier to say rather than to do but I just hope that when I speak publicly about it I'm giving other people the courage to address needs that they may have themselves yeah do you feel like growing up that you had this view of maybe therapy or talking about any issues you were having was a stigma specifically because you are a black woman? I don't think it was because I was a black woman, but I did notice how, especially in the black community, we don't talk about mental health issues. It's always either don't talk about it or go to church and Mm -hmm. pray about it, (laughs) (laughs) which is great and all like, you know, love God, but that's but not God could talk me through your the therapist. I, you know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, I think in the black community, we're not as proactive as we could be around yeah. mental health issues and around lots of things regarding even physical health. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think from my experience, it was necessarily because I was a black woman, but, ne- but also it could have been more of of the way I was raised Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. also seeing sort of that same experience happen with my parents and them having things that they never were truly able to express themselves and they've buried. I feel like there's this pattern of just burying it, burying it. But when you bury it, it eats at you. And next thing you know, you're either lashing out, um, having this explosive moment or you're depressed. Yeah. And we want to avoid that. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I have been very humbled to see how many people have been including mental health discussions in their everyday life and, and, and feeling more vulnerable and willing to talk about it. Because I do think it's kind of one of those topics that's a spiral effect that the minute you see somebody that you're close to or look up 
to start talking about it, then you immediately will be like, okay, this is normalizing it for me. It's making me feel like a human. It's okay that I'm feeling this way. Somebody else feels this way too. So I'm glad that you're using your platform to talk about it as well. And on top of everything else that you're doing, you also are a CEO and founder of your own company. (laughs) So talk a little bit about the company that you started. Yeah, so when I, you know, made the transition and quit my corporate job to pursue modeling full time, I really still wanted to connect back to that passion I have, which is communications. I got my master's degree from Georgetown in public relations and corporate communications and with a focus in digital communications, um, pretty much my entire corporate career, I've worked in the social media realm. Um, and so I've managed the social media pages of the Department of Veterans Affairs for defense and aerospace agencies, for nonprofits, the whole nine yards. Um, and I, it's something I love. And even as a model slash influencer, you have to do that on a, you know, sort of it's embedded into your lifestyle because you have to keep your Instagram up to date or your Twitter or your Facebook, whatever you have. So it's like, there's no way for me to lose it. Let me just, you know, continue to do it. So I decided to create Elysium Social LLC. Um, It's a small social media marketing agency that helps um, entrepreneurs and small businesses who are looking for new ways to either grow their social media or start it up if they haven't had one before. Um, And so my focus is on small businesses and my, me being a small business owner myself this last year with COVID has been brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I really love the fact that I can see how businesses change and how certain marketing strategies can help them to reach the sales goals that they've always wanted to achieve. So it's something that it's my baby and it's something that I'm really proud to have. Congratulations. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I know. I feel like I just want to lift 2020 just out of any calendar. Yes, redo. Eliminate, (laughs) redo. Eliminate and redo. Uh, Well, you are doing so many incredible things. What is something that you are looking forward to now that we are kind of coming out of this pandemic and getting back into the real world? Yes. Well, I told myself, my man, 2020 really beat me, but I told myself, you know, I'm going to have 2021 be my 2020 because that was supposed to be the year that, you know, I, I win rookie. I'm in, you know, on red carpets, I'm in magazines, all this. And of course that came to all, everything to a halt. Yeah. And so this is where we're picking up again. So um, in July, which is just a few weeks away, uh, Sports Illustrated is launching their launch week in my, uh, I don't know if it's Miami, it's in Florida. Um, And the magazine is also going to be coming out July 20th, which I'm so excited about. And from there, we have New York Fashion Week. And I'm just really in the space where like, I want to kick off and do every single campaign I haven't even, you know, I've dreamt of. Um, And my agency, One Model Management, they've been so supportive and amazing. And I basically confessed to them all of my desires and dreams and told them, like, listen, I I know I may be a little bit older and maybe a little bit thicker than most models. But like you tell me to do it, I'm willing to do it. There's nothing that I won't do. I want to make the most of these next coming years. Like, I just need this year to be the year of hustling. So for me, I'm just going to be busy, busy, busy. (laughs) Good. Booked and blessed. Booked, busy and blessed. I love that. I love that. Well, Tanae, you are just a gem. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you and keep up with your work? Yes. Feel free to follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Tanae, T-A-N-A-Y-E, dubs, 
D-U-B-Z because my last name is White W. Um, or you can follow me on YouTube. Just type in my name and that is where I provide dating advice as well as novel advice. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And to the listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. Bye.